welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. This morning I was wanting to, to share from the scriptures about uh, a particular man who has an, an encounter with Jesus. And uh, there's this point in his life where things look a little bit different. And you know, as I've been reading and praying into the, the sermon this morning, just that, that reminder that the, the importance of our sight can affect our lives. What we see will ultimately inside of us. The way we see it will, will, will affect what, what's going on inside of us. And I wanted to start off with something that I know some of you have heard because I've shared this before, but I really love the, uh, uh, the way that it explains but, uh, about the way we see things. And there was this uh, lady who always re- remains nameless who uh, was driving her car and she was along on the, on the way to, to work and her car breaks down. And so she gets out of the car and uh, she's kind of like looking around, doesn't really know much about cars, but she wants to try to see what she can find in the car that might be wrong. And so she opens the bonnet and she's looking around and having a, you know, kind of trying to work out what's taken place. Why has the car stopped? And she sees that there's smoke starting to come out one part of the, the, of the engine. And so she, she, look, she's like, can't work out what it is. And so she rings her husband and she says, look, I've broken down and uh, I, I don't know what it is. I need some help. And he goes, well, can you tell me what's actually happened? She goes, I've opened the bonnet and there's smoke coming out of, of, of the 710. And he goes, what do you mean it's coming out of the 710? And she goes, there's smoke like it's coming out of this one place in the engine, the 710. And he's thinking, what is she talking about, the 710? She, has she got like the manual, the logbook, and she's got all the different parts, and she knows which part it is that's got smoke coming out of it? And he's like, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about, the 710. And she goes, it's coming out of the 710. And he's like, just don't get frustrated. I don't understand what the 710 is. Can you send me a picture of it so I can have a look at it? And so she sends him this picture of the 710. The smoke coming out of the 710. Depending on how you look at something can affect your perspective. It can affect what you understand. It can affect you know, how, how you interpret. It can affect what you do in that situation. And so it's important for us to, to align our vision to what God sees, says, does, and wants us to do. And as we come into a new year, it's often that time where you know, kind of faith and vision is almost is kind of brewing where we feel like it's a new year, there's new opportunities, there's new hope, and uh, we want to start the, the year with, with fresh vision and fresh insight. And uh, I want to pr- preach this morning about how we can actually probably avoid some things that can hinder our vision, that can hinder our faith by the way we look at them. And this t- title of the message is, Do You See What I See? Do You See What I See? We're going to read from Matthew chapter 11. And I said we're reading about someone uh, that was you know, a follower of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 1, it says this. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, 
He went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. So Matthew chapter 10, he's brought all his disciples to him. And he started to, to give them authority and he started to send them out and said, this is what's going to happen. You guys go out now and you start to do the works that you've seen. After this happens, he too goes out to teach and preach throughout the towns and the regions. And then in verse 2, it says, John the Baptist, who was in prison at this time, heard about all the things Jesus the, uh, the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or... Should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. John the Baptist, who was instrumental in the, the, the four in setting up the ministry for Jesus to come, who was preaching the message of repentance and the kingdom that was coming, he, he finds himself now in a place that is isolated, that is uh, withdrawn from other people. This is John the Baptist, a man who preached boldly to people and who, who helped to, to set the pathway for Jesus' ministry. A man who at one point you know, saw Jesus and, and pointed and said, Behold! clearly saw Jesus as the Messiah. He saw him and he was captivated by him. He pointed people to him. He knew Jesus and the ministry that he carried. And then John finds himself, as we read here, in prison. If you look at why he's in prison, he's actually in prison because he was preaching righteousness to, to Herod Antipas, who was the um, tetrarch who, or, or the governor of Galilee at that time who had actually taken his brother's wife, Herodias. He had uh, kind of gone and taken away his brother's wife and made her his wife. And John came to him and preached and said, that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not honoring God. That's not the way God's not going to honor that union. And so because of that, Herod throws John in prison. John, who was once pointing to Jesus, has now been jailed for preaching righteousness has now been persecuted or put in prison because of following God. And he finds himself in this place where he's actually isolated from the ministry now of the Messiah. And John there, it says, when he's in prison, he hears about all the things that the Messiah is doing. He hears. He gets word. Something's taking place. Jesus is, is making waves in the land, and, and John hears this. And he would have heard what Jesus was doing. He would have heard that people were being healed, that people were being delivered, that towns and regions were being set free. And he says to his disciples, who at this point were almost like his mouthpiece because he couldn't go to Jesus for himself, he sends his disciples to Jesus and he asks one of the most John the Baptist questions that you could ask. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting or should we be looking for someone else? Pretty straightforward question. Pretty blunt question. Are you the one or should we be looking somewhere else? John finds himself, this man who was once so, so captivated by the ministry of Jesus, now finds himself in a place of doubt. 
finds himself in a place where he, he can no longer see Jesus. We, we don't see explicitly how long he was in prison. But if you look through the timeline, you probably see, it, I reckon it would have been close to two years that he was in prison. And in this time, being isolated and withdrawn from the ministry of Jesus, doubt starts to creep in. Questions start to arise. He's heard what, God, what, what the Messiah is doing. But he's like, disciples, here, go and ask him, is this the, are you the one that we're waiting for or should we be looking for someone else? Have you ever, ever experienced that where there is distance in your relationship with Jesus which allows for doubt, which allows for disillusionment, which allows for discouragement? When there's distance, as John experienced in this place, there's the opportunity for those things to creep into our hearts. And so he sends his disciples, tell me, is this what happened? I want to say this morning that one of the obstacles to us seeing what God is doing, seeing what God is wanting to do, is looking at what is not happening. Seeing what isn't happening. Focusing on that. In this passage, John doesn't get to see what Jesus is doing. But I wonder how many times it happens in our lives where we, we, we get fixated upon what is not happening. What God is not doing. What God hasn't done. That we actually miss the truth that God is at work. What can rob our vision, our faith, is when we watch what's not happening. When we get focused on what didn't come to pass, on the prayers that we didn't feel were answered, what, what, what can happen is that starts to allow this place of, of doubt to creep into our hearts. And even people like John the Baptist who knew Jesus, we can find ourselves in this place where we're kind of questioning, is God really at work? If you, if you know me, um, I, I try as much as possible to not be a super spiritual kind of person that says, just have faith. We need faith, yes. But faith is not the absence of our humanity. Faith is not a superpower that takes us out of the human experience. Faith is almost something that, that we cling to, that helps us cling to Jesus in the midst of what we're going through. Trusting in Him, believing in Him, hoping in Him. It's not some sort of pill that we swallow that takes away all of the pain and the suffering and the difficulty and the trial. Though sometimes we may believe that. Faith is often what we cling to in the midst of the trial. And so John, in this place of doubt and, and starting to question, is he really the one? I mean, think about it. He's in prison because of Jesus. The reason that this is happening to him is because he's followed Jesus. You've been there before? I said yes to Jesus and then all this stuff happened. Did I get it right? Did I really hear him? Is he even there? What, 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 did, did I make that up in my head? Because surely if he said it, then it's going to, why am I in this place? And John's like, I just need to know. I just really need to know, is this the one? Are you who you said you were? Is he the one that we're waiting for? 
And so he sends his disciples out. I love what he done there. He is not physically able to go to Jesus, so he sends the ones that are closest to him. But the principle in that is that when I can't see what he is doing, the best thing is to go to him. The presence of God is the place of perfect perspective. It's in the presence of God that we get perfect vision. It's in the presence of God that we get perfect perspective on what is taking place. We don't always get understanding, but he can help us to see that, hang on a second, something is happening here. And if all I focus on is what not, what's not happening, I'm going to miss the move of God. He didn't do it then, and I'm still looking, and I'm still focusing on that. And yet he's moving over here. He's trying to get my attention. But I'm looking here. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss him. Jesus responds to John. He sends back to his disciples and he says this. Go back to John and tell him. Tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Here he is. Doubt starting to creep in. Discouragement starting to creep in. Disciples come back with the report. Jesus is at work. John, you can't see it, but we've seen it. It says, John heard what the Messiah was doing. And then Jesus says to the disciples, tell him what you have heard and seen. Tell him the testimony of what you have just seen, what you have seen taking place. God is moving. The Messiah is at work. He is confirming his word. Jesus is alive and well today. But that doesn't help us at times in, in, in that struggle and that tension of, of where is God in my situation. And I hold to the truth that when we don't have clarity we can't, we, we've got to hold on to his sovereignty. That when things don't make sense, when I can't see what, what I think I should see or what I'm, I'm believing to see, I've got to believe that he's there, that he's doing something, that he is at work. And it may not look like what I thought it would look like. It may not look like what I think it will look like, but God is doing something. I want to encourage you this morning. God is at work. And I'm not saying that as some sort of cliche. He is actively at work in your life in areas that you do not realize. Some of us may have been protected on the way here this morning. God may have done something to intervene in your, in your life in the last week that you didn't even realize. God is at work. He is doing something. He is always doing something. We're in the holiday period. God is not having a holiday. He's not in Bali, chilling. Not many people are in Bali right now, are they? Chilling. But God is at work. He's at work. And so in those places, to, to take what John did, to say, you know what? I don't see it. I'm struggling here. Come into the presence of God. Jesus, can you show me what you're doing? Can you speak into my heart? What is it that you're showing me? What is it that you're saying? To come to him, the one who is at work, and ask him, God, what are you doing? 
to just be with him. That relationship and that intimacy with him, in that closeness, in his presence. God is at work. God is at work. God is at work. Do I have to convince you this morning? God is doing something. God is always doing something. He's not a passive God. He's not a neutral God. He's an active God. He's involved. He's intimate. He knows you. He knows what's happening. He's working in some way. And we can't let the vision of what he's not doing steal away the vision of what he wants to do. There's another passage in the Bible which uh, speaks to this so well. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. And uh, it's a story with Elisha. Chapter 6, verse 8, it says, When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, Don't go near that place, for the Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that they would be on alert. So wherever the enemy was going to attack, Elisha would get a word. He would tell the king, this is where it's going to be, and they would, they, they would, they would move there. And the king of Aram became very upset with this. He called the officers together, and he demanded, which one of you is the traitor? This is how convinced he was that someone in the camp was giving out intel he brought his people together and he said, which one of you is the traitor? Who's been informing the king of my plans? It's not us, the Lord, my king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, Every, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. He comes out and he sees this scene where, where there is this, this great army that is surrounding them. And you've probably heard this story before. But Elisha then prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Armenian army advanced toward him, Elisha played, prayed, O Lord, please make them blind, take away their sight. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. He comes out, this, the servant comes out, and he sees this great army, and, and immediately he's like, it says that he cried out. He was in fear. He, he, he was terrified by what he saw. And he's like, what are we going to do now? And Elisha is not troubled. He's not worried. He, he, he has an understanding that, that, that there is more happening around them than what this servant sees. And so he prays, God, open his eyes. And at that point, this man is given sight to see what is actually surrounding him, which is chariots and horses and chariots of fire. They are surrounded by the, the, the army of heaven. Now, let me ask you the question. Did that just pop up when he had sight? Or was that already there and his sight just caught up with the reality of what was taking place? 
It didn't just pop up when the prayer was prayed. His eyes opened to see that there was actually, there was an army that was surrounding them, protecting them, looking out for them, looking after them, that was greater than the army that was coming at them. He was looking at what he could not see, and Elisha said, God, show him what you see. Show him what he can't see. Show him, open his eyes to see that there is so much more in this picture than what's taking place in his mind. And all of a sudden, that changes his perspective. It changes his, his way of thinking. It changes his way of living. My prayer is that God would open our eyes to see that there's so much more happening than what we, what we think is just taking place in some of the physical realms that we see, in some of the situations that we see. God is at work. Lord, open our eyes to see. An obstacle can be what you don't see. Here's another obstacle, that, an obstacle to, to what the vision and the faith that God wants to give you, what others don't see. Have you ever had something that, that you, you've been discouraged out of because someone else didn't understand or didn't see what God had said to you? Maybe he gave you a promise. Maybe he gave you a, a purpose. Maybe he spoke about you doing something and you stepped out into it and people around you said, what? What are you trying to do? Why are you taking that job? It doesn't make sense financially. It doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? And, and we can be talked out of the vision that God is giving us because others can't see what we see. What if Elisha took on the servant's perspective? He would have been freaking out too. What if he, he tried to, to kind of lower his vision, his sight, to what the man, his servant, had said? We're in trouble. Then because of what someone else couldn't see, he might have lost what God was doing in his, in his life. I'm not saying to surround yourself with, with, with people who won't uh, strengthen you or won't uh, you know, test what, what, you're, what you're thinking or what you're saying or where you're going or what you're doing. We should have people that we trust to, to go to and to bounce things off of. But what I am saying is that if God gives something to you, speaks something in your heart, shows you something, a promise, something in your purpose, something that he's wanting to do, you can't let what everyone else says about it rob you from it. Now, Elisha actually was, was a good demonstration of this. There's actually two places just before this took place where Elisha performs a miracle. And in doing so, in, in the space that he's about to do that miracle, he says to the people, shut the door. Oil being tipped out into vessels. And he says to them, just shut the door and go into the room and tip it out. A boy that is brought back to life, shut the door and he'll go in. Why would he say shut the door? Because if anyone else saw what was happening in there, they'd think you were crazy. If anyone else saw you tipping oil into, into vessels and thinking that it's going to expand and it's going to continue to multiply, they're, they're going to ask questions. They're going to say, why are you doing that? What, have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? What, what's going on? Shut the door. There's times when, when, when I feel God has given me something that I'm holding on to, and I've got to shut the door. I can't let everyone else's voice come in and, 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 and nitpick or break down or, or try and question or, or, or pull down what I feel God is saying. Because at the end of the day, I'm the one that's accountable 
for what he's put in my heart. At the end of the day, you are the one that is accountable for what God is saying to you, what he's leading you to. And so don't lose what he's doing in you, the faith and the vision that you have, because others can't see it. I wonder how many people have, uh, have just kind of left their purpose because of what others said. Because others didn't have the, the, the same vision or the same sight. Now the flip side is also true. We've got to be careful that we aren't people that, that criticize the vision that God's given to someone else. I say this as, as a church, as a kingdom people. I see it all the time with pastors. That pastor is He's just doing something really... They've got so many people coming to the church, they must be preaching something crazy. Or God is moving. But we're threatened. I've got to be careful that I don't cut out someone else's vision from God because I haven't heard it, because I don't think it should look like that, because I don't think it should sound like that or smell like that. But don't let what God has put in your heart and what He's saying to you be stopped because someone else can't see it. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes God brings revelation to, to someone else that, that, that at one time was like, I don't know why you're doing that, but now they, they can see that, hey, you're actually right there. And then it's a little bit awkward. But don't let what God is saying to you, doing in you, be stopped because others don't see it. Because others sometimes can't see it. And here's the last thought. An obstacle to what God can be saying and doing to us, uh, doing in our lives and the vision that we have can be what we saw before. What we saw before. When John sends the, the message to, to Jesus... There's obviously a question in his mind about the role of the Messiah. What did he expect the Messiah's ministry to look like? Well, it would have been based upon what was experienced in the past where military leaders come and overturn kingdoms through might and power, through physical exertion and, and force. And his expectation was probably, if you are the Messiah, why am I still in prison? Are you actually overturning this empire? Are you breaking down that which has been built up? Where is the military? Where is the uprising? Where is, the, where is the political to be showing? Why? Because that's what they'd seen in the past. And so what he'd seen before was shaping and helping him to miss out on what was happening right there. And Jesus' answer to him is not a military answer. It's a miracle answer. He says, this is the mark of the Messiah. I'm going to read it again. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. This is the ministry of the Messiah. 
Not to dominate, but to liberate, to bring life, to bring freedom, to bring hope, to bring light into this world. And because you've seen it done that way in the past, John, I'm telling you that I am the Messiah, but it's looking different in this covenant. It's going to look different in this space. And where we might have taken people out in the past, now we're building people up. And where we might have wiped out armies in the past, now we're, we're raising up armies of lepers who have been healed. And because John has a, a, a certain set of expectations of what the Messiah would look like, what he's seen in the past of God's leaders, he might miss that Jesus is actually the one that he's been waiting for, that we've been waiting for. And so that message is not just a, a brag from Jesus. That's, that's the, the definition of the ministry of the Messiah, that he was showing them, I am the Messiah. I have come. And this is how I'm going to bring my kingdom. It's not from wiping out the Roman Empire. It's not from a top-down breaking and crushing. It's from bringing liberation from the real enemy. It's from breaking sin and sickness. It's from bringing healing and restoration. This is the kingdom of God that He came to manifest, that He came to make known. Because of what we've seen in the past, the way it was done in the past, what God did in the past, not devaluing, not wiping out, not saying that wasn't God. But because we saw it that way before, sometimes we get fixated that it has to be that way, that God's not moving unless it was like He did in 1947. Because I remember a move of God in 1947 when my life was changed. I wasn't actually born then. 1947, was the, that was the year God moved and, and it was powerful. And I, I, I'm waiting for that again. Because what I saw before has shaped my perspective. But because I'm still looking over here, I'm missing what God is doing in this day. He's doing a new thing. Can you not see it? Can you not perceive it? Well, it, it works like that. What about your, your past? What you saw before? The way you failed? The, 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 the way you, you, you dropped the ball? The mistakes you made? The time you walked away? Because you're still looking at what you saw before, you may miss what God is doing right now. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. He wipes that slate clear. But, but we get it in our head and we keep holding on to it and we keep punishing ourselves for it and we keep looking back to that and remembering ourselves as we were, as we saw ourselves before. And Jesus is like, no, I see you today as you are today, as I've created you to be today. But I'm stuck here. I can't. Why would God choose me? Why would God do anything for, be, through me if he, if he knew what I did, if he knew who I was, if he knew what I was doing? And what we saw before can rob us. It's not just our failures. Maybe it's our successes. Maybe it's the big things, the good things, the, the victories that we've, we've, we've had. And we live in that place. We build the camp there in a place where God was leading us through. We just kind of camp there and live there. And, 
and, and what the good things that happen, the good things, the successes, the, the promotions, those things, they become what I see God doing and what I, 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 I think God should do. And when I don't see that, I miss that. What you saw before can rob you of what God is doing right now. When we get fixated on what it was like, what we thought it should be like. But I'm saying to you today, God is wanting to speak vision and faith into your heart. Again, not a cliche, not, not, not some sort of super spiro kind of language. God wants to give you vision for what he's put you on this earth to do. I get, I, I'm getting increasingly frustrated that we just go through the motions and play church. I literally do not have time to do that. You're not in the seat that you're in today to take up space, to just kind of go through the, the motions, to just kind of, uh, you know, pass the time. You probably got better things you could do than sit in a hot basketball court for the sake of sitting in a hot basketball court. We are here to worship Jesus, to allow him to, to inspire us, to equip us, to send us, to put us in the ministry, into the mission field, whatever that looks like, whatever your, your vocation is, whatever your group of friends is, whatever your community is, you are called to be an influencer in that space. And God wants to speak into you and give you vision, give you ideas, give you faith, give you encouragement so that you can be steadfast, so that you can, can have perseverance in what you're doing, so that you can have faith to take that first step. There's someone in this room today and God has put something in your heart and you are like right at the, right at the edge of it. And you're like, I, I, I know where he's leading me. I know what he's saying to me. I'm this close, but I'm not going to take that step until I have, uh, like you need real confirmation. Well, here is your confirmation. God is saying, step out. You are close. You know who you are. You're, you, you're, God has put something very clear in your heart and you've been in this place of kind of to and froing with him, hesitating, is it right? Is it now? Is it you? Is it me? And I feel to say to you this morning that God is saying, step out into that. You have to take that first step. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes this morning, that this wouldn't be just a bunch of words, a lecture, some sort of empty, empty time of someone speaking, but this would be a time of impartation where you give us vision. Lord, in this room even now, we know that there's more going on than we can physically see. And whilst you might not give us uh, physical sight to see the spiritual realms, you will give us insight in our spirits to know what you are doing and what you are saying. And so now my prayer, God, is what, what, what Elisha prayed for his servant, that you would open our eyes to see, that you would open our eyes to see with fresh vision, with fresh faith, what it is that is before us in this year. With every individual in this place, God, they're not here by accident. None of us just kind of rocked up by accident today. This is an, an intersection of your divine purpose and will with our lives. I thank you, Jesus, that you are at work right now. 
That even in this moment, you're, you're, you're mending and, and binding up the heart of the broken. Get a sense that there's someone, maybe a couple of us in this room, and there's been, uh, there's been this real deep disappointment. Disappointment that, that goes beyond just being upset because something didn't happen. But I, I, I almost can feel this grief, this disappointment. And it's not something that we, you can just let go of. So I'll just get over it. But it is something that God wants to bring healing to. That God wants to minister to even in this moment. That disappointment, which is almost despair now. If you would, I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself. But if that is resonant and pertinent to you, and you would allow, I'm going to pray from where I am to where you are. And just pray that the Spirit of God would bring healing and release in that place. Father, we thank you that the ministry of your Son by the Spirit is to bind up the brokenhearted, is to set free the captive. That hasn't changed. And even in this room today, God, with those of us, whether it's one, two, three, however many, that have carried this deep, disappointment and grief we pray that, that, that you would begin the process of healing there of letting that go and filling that space God with hope peace with love we thank you for your grace we thank you that it's by your grace that you change our hearts and in this moment God I pray that your spirit would bring healing a sense as well that there, there is a there, there, there is a sense of just of a, of a fear that is almost crippling to someone fear that would would there's days when you don't even want to go out the front door because of what might be on the other side. And it's not a new thing. 
can even see like there's steps towards the door and then there's steps back and there's steps towards the door and there's steps back. But there is a hope that one day I can go out and the fear won't be there. Again, I just pray for whoever that may be. That perfect love would cast out fear. That the love of the Father would flood every part of your heart, your life, your mind. Your soul would be flooded with the love of God. And that where there was anxiety and fear, there would be this this sense of acceptance, this sense of identity, this sense of, of being loved that would almost change the perception of who you think you are and who you see yourself as. To the point that you you don't even recognize yourself anymore. So Father, by the, the power of your Spirit in this place this morning, we pray for perfect love to cast out that fear, to fill the heart of that, uh, that one And I pray for the door to open into a new season, into a new sphere of, of, of life, life in fullness and freedom in the name of Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.